Maturity includes the ability to love others who are not like us. It's easy to love someone who looks like me, acts like me, thinks like me. But that's only what we might call grade one Christianity. It isn't much of a challenge to love someone who's like me. But God is constantly challenging me to stretch and love as he loves, to grow up and become a mature Christian. To cross lines of politics, ethnicity, or age, or any other difference, and love someone who is vastly different from me. Good morning, everybody. How are you? You guys have a good week? Amen. Me too. Today, well, it's good to be back. It's been about five months since I've been up here. The last uh, three to four months has been pretty difficult for my family. We've been going through a lot just all at once. Have you guys ever just been going through it? Yeah, where every day seems like you can't get ahead. Bills are piling up. You can't smile. You can't laugh. And no matter how big or how, ha how happy a moment is supposed to be, you just, you can't. Right? You can't smile. You don't have joy. Ever been, you know, depressed? Feel abandoned or alone? Yeah? All of us have, Right? Wouldn't it be nice if you had a brother or sister in Christ or multiple that reached out to you? Hey, how are you? I know that you're going through something. That's love. This sermon is called Love Thy Neighbor. We know that there's countless people in the world that are hurting, right? That are in need of love and compassion. We can look at, let's say, the war in Ukraine, for instance, the loss, the devastation, the death, the pain. What about homelessness around the country? There's many more examples of suffering that I can, I can quote, I can give you statistics, but I don't think I need to tell you guys or remind you that the world is hurting. You guys can see it, right? But I have no doubt that today there's somebody in this room that's hurting. That's suffering. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you've had thoughts of suicide. You're depressed. Don't sit out there and not tell us something. Crosswinds Church is a, is a church that loves. Amen? We felt some of that love when we were going through that. Certain people reached out to us. And I tell you, that's a lifeline. And as the church, as the body of Christ, we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we should be so involved in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ enough to know when the person sitting next to us is suffering or is going through something. So I want to talk real quick about the true mark of discipleship, and that's love. John 13, 34 through 35 says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another. This is Jesus talking. Just as I have loved you. So he set the example. He said, he, and I'll, we'll go through some of those examples of how he loved. But he says, just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And by this, by your love, people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for, or for one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're so good that you love us, 
unconditionally, Father God. That means without conditions. Lord, you step down from heaven to meet us in our need, to deliver us. And we thank you and we praise you for living a perfect life and so that we could emulate you and fulfill your commands. Amen. So, Jesus tells us that we're supposed to be people of love, meaning that we give of ourselves sacrificially to serve others just as Jesus did. That means our attitudes and our motives should be sincere and pure when we help others in need. We need to remember that everyone was made in God's image. Therefore, we must respect them as such. We must view them from God's perspective. And we'll see how God views us in a few minutes. God's word, it says, uh, well, we'll go through it. We'll go through, there's a lot in here. Love is a big topic, right? But God's word doesn't advocate self-love, meaning I'm going to just go manicure myself, uh, seek my own interests first. That's not the self-love that Jesus is talking about when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. What it is, is it prompts us to examine ourselves, our, the believer, to measure our love for our neighbors by what we wish for ourselves. Does that make sense? Yes, everyone following? Okay. So God wants us to think, okay, what would I want to be done in this situation to me? And I'm going to do that to someone else, right? It's like the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Jesus told us to love God with every part of our being. Last week, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, Easter, right? We saw last week, or we celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ, who is God the Son, he came down, he stepped off of his throne in perfect harmony in paradise. He cast off the right to be equal with God. He humbled himself. He became a man. He was born as a baby, just like we all were. He lived a regular lifestyle. The Bible says there was nothing really special about him in his form or appearance. He wasn't strong and, you know, like me, you know. Uh, just kidding. I'm not strong. Uh, you know, there was nothing really special about him, the Bible says, that would be like, oh, I can recognize this man as the Messiah. There wasn't. Jesus went through the temptations. I want you guys to know that Jesus is relatable. He's not some mystical character or fictional character. He's relatable. He went through temptations. And just like some of us here, he was acquainted with grief. He was a man of many sorrows, the Bible described him as. Some of us might be there today. So we all know that Good Friday is good, right? But why? Why is Good Friday good? Well, just like Jesus says, as I have loved you, love one another. We call it good because this is the day that Jesus actually displayed the ultimate act of love in all of history. He laid down his life for all of humanity. Amen? It was the day he willingly set aside himself and said, I'm going to die for these people. I'm going to shed my blood for these people. It was, it's known as the great exchange, the innocent for the guilty, the pure for the defiled, the holy for the wicked. He let his blood flow from his body, humiliated on a cross, 
so we can be forgiven. Amen? That's the greatest act of love. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. Amen. We had a good Friday, a good, good Friday service, right? How many of you were here? Most of you guys, right? Man, I can tell you this. I was so glad it was dark. I was sitting in the back, and I was just an emotional wreck, man. I was tearing up because I felt the weight of my own sin. Even pastors, I had a conversation with someone this morning. Oh, wow, you're human. Yes. We're not on a pedestal, guys. We're not above anybody else from here to there, right? We're all equal, right? And I had to, I sat back there and I saw my guiltiness. I felt the weight and the pressure of my sin. And, I, and but I also, I was in tears because I knew that the love of God is greater than anything that I've ever done. Love covers a multitude of sins, amen? That was a day Jesus paid my debt. So he didn't just die, right? Last Sunday we celebrated Easter. He rose again, amen? This is the day that he was victorious over death. He was victorious over temptation and sorrow and grief and pain and despair and fear and everything else, amen? He's the ultimate victor. And you know what he came for? He came to set the captives free, amen? He came to break addictions. He came to tear down strongholds. While he was on earth for three years, he had his public ministry. He taught us many things, and he came to clarify some things that were twisted by religious leaders. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So Jesus showed us how to love. So when we look at Jesus' life, we can see how he lived and how he loved. Amen. Love was not just a feeling of endearment. Oh, I like these people. Right? No, it was... It was more than that. It was a lifestyle. It was, it was a choice. It's not just a feeling. It wasn't a feeling of endearment that he had to those who were close to him. Love is who he is. Amen? That means that everything he did for others was out of love. We know the famous love chapter quoted at every wedding, every Valentine's Day, every February. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is pa- read it with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked, does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things. It hopes all things and endures all things. Amen. That's my God. That describes Jesus Christ. Amen. He's patient with us. He's kind. He's not boastful. He's humble. Amen? I encourage you, if you want to be excited in your walk with God, get to know Jesus Christ, the God of this Bible, not the God that churches teach. If they're not teaching this, don't follow them. Grab the Bible yourself and read it and get to know him. Amen? You will get to know his attributes. Don't just settle for a meager relationship with Christ, with God. Don't let him become just your acquaintance. Oh, I know of him. Don't just settle for a Sunday morning encounter. You walk in through, through the doors, amen. I'm glad you're here this morning, and I'm glad you're watching online. But don't just settle for that. There's so much more than mere church attendance. It's an abundant life. 
Get to know him intimately by studying his word because his word reveals who he is and it also reveals how he feels about you and me. He cherishes us. Have any of you been in a relationship where you're cherished and adored? How does that make you feel? Feels, feels great, right? God cherishes you. He deeply desires to know you and for you to get to know him. So get in his word and talk to him, all right? So people today have a false sense of who God is. We had a hot button topic, or hot button topic class uh, a couple weeks back, so I'm going to borrow this quote that Pastor Willie used. It's from Richard Dawkins. This is how people see, the world, see God today. It says, so Richard Dawkins, if you don't know, he's one of the world's most famous atheists. Anyways, the God of the Old Testament, he says, is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. He's jealous and he's proud of it. He's petty. He's unjust. He's unforgiving. He's a control freak. He's vindictive. He's bloodthirsty. He's an ethnic cleanser. He's a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Man, I need a drink. <laughs> um, let me tell you something. No, that is not God. That is not the God we serve. Our God is a God of love. Amen. When you get to know him, when you get to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you'll begin to fall in love with him because of his attributes. He is loving. He is kind. He's merciful. He's generous. He's forgiving. He's a comforter. Anybody need to be comforted in here this morning? He's a healer. He's a provider. And he's so much more. Now, with all these great things, you would expect, oh, this is too good to be true. I want you to know he's approachable. He's not some distant cosmic being that's just floating in space somewhere and doesn't care about you. The fact that he came and died for you and me shows he cares. Some people say he's an angry God waiting to send us to hell. Yes, the Bible says if you do not place your belief in Jesus Christ, you will end up in hell. But you know what? He's not just saying, oh, Nate, you messed up. I'm going to send fire down from heaven. I'm going to kill you and send you straight to hell. No, he's patient with us. He's the God of second chances, amen? He's the God of grace. And that's why I was in tears over there, because I know my wicked heart. And Jesus Christ says, Nate, I'm going to forgive you. All you have to do is place your trust and your faith in me. It's, a, it's an amazing feeling to be forgiven. God is the God of second chances. He's the God of grace. But he does. Here's the hinge. He wants our character to align with his. So that means when people sin against us, we should forgive them. Right? Right? It's, it's a little quiet in here this morning. <laughs> he calls us to pursue holiness. He calls us to pursue righteousness. And he calls us to love others with the same sacrificial love that he loves us with. That is the mark of a true disciple. So Jesus wishes that you would become like him. So what's, what are some examples that he set? Well, he healed the sick. Many times, 
The Bible says anytime you encounter him healing the sick or feeding the hungry, it says he had compassion on someone. He preached the kingdom of God to the lost. He was involved in evangelism. Jesus interceded for his disciples and the church, and you could find that in John 17. That demonstrated he had concern and care for those in his world, if you want to call it, right? He gave his life for the world, amen? John 3, 16, that displays selflessness, right? Jesus washed his disciples' feet. That means he was humble. He displayed humility and sacrificial service to people. Disciple, Christian, does does this describe you as well? Secondly, God, lo- God wants us to love with the right heart. Luke 10, 25 through 29. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. It's funny how he goes through that, and then he's like, and your neighbor as yourself, right? In Deuteronomy 6, 5, we can find that command. So then it says, and he said to them, Jesus said to the lawyer, he said, you have answered correctly. Go or do this, and you will live. Here's what got me. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer says to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Here's how you could know if you're religious or authentic. Does your lifestyle, your motives, your actions, and your heart line up with this, with God's word and his commandments? If it does, thank you. I'm glad. That's how you know you're authentic. And you're on the right path, you guys. If it doesn't, do you try to justify yourself, your lifestyle, by comparing yourself to anything other than God's word? Well, I'm not bad as, so, as bad as so-and-so, or I don't do this, but, you know, stuff like that, right? So this lawyer wanted to justify himself. Jesus knew that this religious man, this lawyer, well enough, he knew, he knew the religious man well enough to know that he was not authentic, now, this was not a lawyer like we think of today, like, hey, I need someone to defend me in court, so I'm going to hire a lawyer. That's not who he was. He was an uh, expert in Jewish religious law, hence the term lawyer. So he knew what the scripture said, like, he knew it. It was in here, right? It's interesting how Jesus knew exactly what to say back to him in response. Well, who's my neighbor? Remember, Jesus was 100% man, and he was 100% God. That means he could look into the hearts of those who are approaching him. He could look into the minds of those approaching him. He could tell their motives. He could tell what they were thinking. So he says, hey, lawyer, how do you understand the law? What does it mean to you? So this man said, well, hey, the law says to love God and to love others or love my neighbors. He knew that the right thing to do to please God was to love God. God and others. He knew it in his head, but he didn't have it here. I learned from Pastor Willie. He said one time, most people miss heaven by 18 inches. I'm not very tall, so it's probably 12 inches for me. But it's the distance between your head to your heart. Yeah, we have the head, head knowledge, but is it, has it infiltrated our hearts? Unlike this lawyer, 
and these religious leaders. That's why Jesus, you know what? I, could, I should just close this. I get so frustrated with the Pharisees. You know, they just kept on like attacking Jesus, this religious spirit. It's been happening since the beginning. It's still around today, this religious spirit. He, knowing the law, was told one thing, keep the law by loving others and God. We'll see a little later how doing those two things fulfills the whole law. But back to the lawyer, he wanted to justify his sin. You see, these religious leaders on the outside, they looked like they loved God. They went to the synagogue. They tithed. They prayed. They conducted many Jewish rituals and routines for others to see. But Jesus saw right through them. He saw right through their empty service and went straight to the issue. He told them, keep the law. They knew they were not keeping the law because they were not loving all people as themselves. They were not loving their neighbor as themselves. You know who they loved? They loved people like them. They loved the rich, the wealthy. They loved people in high status and positions. They loved people who practiced their religious laws and rules. Yet they despised the poor, the very thing that Jesus says to do. They neglected the widows and the orphans, and they looked down on those who were different than they were. Has that happened to you before? You've been burned by the church? Nobody? Okay, I have. Uh, 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Here's the religious part. The lawyer sarcastically said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? He wanted to see what Jesus' definition of neighbor was so he could justify himself. He must have concluded, hey, my neighbor is the person who lives in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's true. They are your neighbors. But what kind of neighborhood were these people living in? Right? Did they step over to the other side? No, we're going to see in a minute how they actually are. Here's my side. Here's who I am, my lifestyle. Did I reach out to the other side? Did they reach out to the other side? No, they didn't. They went all the way around. We'll see that in a second. Sarcastically, he says, who's my neighbor? Jesus, again, knowing their hearts, he told them a story. And we all know this as the Good Samaritan. Luke 10, 30 through 37 Jesus replied and said, Hey, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he encountered robbers. And they stripped him, and they beat him, and then they went away, leaving him half dead. And by coincidence, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. He ignored him. But a Samaritan, someone who was different, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, there's that word, he felt compassion, which is, saints, if you're here, you need to have that compassion in your hearts for others. And came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds, he poured oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, hey, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I'll repay you. Which of these three, lawyer, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? I could just see it. And the lawyer's like, God, you got me. It's the one who showed compassion. So Jesus says, 
That's why I came. Go and do the same. There's people in the world that are hurting. Amen? What a convicting message. This parable shows us that our position, that our title, that our race, our ethnicity, our job, our socioeconomic status, or anything else should not hinder us from loving other people, loving our neighbor. Our neighbor is not someone like us. It's every human being. That is our neighbor. Why? Because we all bear the image of God. Amen? If you don't believe me, we could turn to Genesis, and I'll, t- I'll walk you through it after service because I don't have a lot of time. So in the Old Testament, we see God giving Moses Ten Commandments. Can anybody give me one? Raise a hand. Oliver. Thou shalt not murder. Amen. Who else? Thou shalt not steal. Come on, let's go. You guys, come on, we're church. We should know these. Grant. Keep the Sabbath day. Yes. Honor thy father and mother. Ezra. What do you say? Huh? Be content, okay? What else? Peter. Luke. No other gods before me. We got almost all of them, right? That's, that was the commandments that Jesus came, or Jesus gave, right? So when we love, did you know that we fulfill God's commandments? Matthew 22, 34 through 40 says, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. They were testing him again. If I was Jesus, dude, shut up. Stop. Sorry, can I say that? That's how I would have been, because I don't have patience for people like that. That's why I'm not Jesus. Sorry, I got to go repent after this. All right. He says, and one of them, a lawyer says, and one of them, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him. Hey, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Again, just like that's what Jesus is explaining that we as Christians should be doing. This is the greatest and the foremost commandment, he says. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. I don't know about you, but having too many things, all those ten to memorize, it's too much for me. You could find it in Exodus 20 if you want to look at the ten commandments, by the way. Uh, so I'm glad when Jesus came because he just gave us two. He summed it all up into two. Love God, and what? Love your neighbors. Amen. So God's commandments teach us how to love one another. The first four have to do with loving God. You shall have no other gods before me. That means prioritize God in your life, right? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Don't worship anything or anyone else. Let's say celebrities, sports teams, relationships, money, etc. right? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Self-explanatory. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Rest and honor God with your time. Amen. That is how we love God. The last six teach us how to love others. Honor your father and mother. Respect them. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You shall not covet. If we do all things, that's demonstrating love to everyone else, to our neighbors. So Jesus says that loving God and loving our neighbors is the way to fulfill God's command. I'm almost done, guys. The American church has become conditioned to routine. What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, I'll tell you. If you've been coming to church for any length of time, you'll understand this. 
So our church starts at what time, guys? 9.30, right? So we know it starts at 9.30. We come in with our Bibles and our coffee, and we sit down. It's probably the same chair that we sit in every week. Yes? Most of us? Okay. So I'm not too far off here. So we listen to five songs, right? We hear a 30 to 45-minute sermon. We say hello to a few people. Hi, hi. And then we go out to lunch or whatever else we do after church. If you're serving in ministry, thank you. You're showing love. If you're serving in kids' ministry or the nursery, man, I'm glad. I mean, my kids are in here today, but having crying babies in a service is tough, right? It's hard to focus. Thank you for the women who, and the people who work in uh, kids' ministry and nursery, right? Thank you, street ministry. Thank you, life group leaders. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, cafe ministers, right? Thank you for in tech, most of all, right? Thank you for Margaret cooking food, showing love. Amen. Every Sunday morning, my daughter, she goes, did you know Miss Margaret comes at 6.30 in the morning to church to cook for everybody? I say, yeah, I see her there all the time. And she's like, wow, I can't believe that. You know, that's, that's amazing. That's love, right? But my question to you, is that the extent of our Christianity? Is we come to church on a Sunday morning. Are we reaching out to those people that are in our worlds, that are hurting? Are we meeting the needs of others? Are we men and women of compassion? When we encounter those who are in need, it's not our job to be nosy and be like, dude, what, you messed up your life. What the heck did you just do? No, we're supposed to help them, have compassion on them, and show them love and grace. Amen? Our job is to help pull them out of the gutter. doesn't matter how they got there. It matters, like the Good Samaritan, we reach down and we help them. Some takeaways. How can I get involved? Is there someone in my world that I can show love to? What character trait can describe my walk with the Lord? Remember earlier I gave some examples of what Jesus did to love? Let's ask ourselves, hey, when I'm driving, working, or walking, if I'm around other people, am I able to see the need that's around me and meet that need with compassion, i.e. feeding the homeless, right? If not, guess what? Our church has a street ministry that you can get involved in that we do just that. If you have not had an opportunity, meet me in the back after service and I'll connect you to that team, right? How about this one? Have you shared the gospel or the hope of salvation to others recently? Do you talk about your faith with your friends and your family and your coworkers and, and your neighbors? You can get plugged into a Bible study. We have Bible studies for men, for women, and for youth throughout the week, Tuesday nights, Wednesday mornings, and Saturdays. We also have life groups starting next week, as Trenton mentioned earlier. We meet every week or every day of the week except Mondays and Saturdays. See me after service. Let's sign you up for a life group. Get involved somehow. Have you shared encouragement with someone from Scripture or prayed with them recently? If not, guess what? Our church, I remember I told you, Crossman's Church is a church that loves, right? Our church has something called, what is it, before the throne? It's a prayer meeting every Sunday night where we get together. You have prayer, again, online. If you're hearing this, send us your prayer request because we will actually pray for you. 
Amen? If you want to get involved in the prayer team, let me know. Have you sacrificially given of your time or resources to someone who can't help themselves? If not, we have regular tithes. We have regular offerings that go to funding the mission of the church and helping people in need. Have you served the kingdom of God by serving in the local church recently? If not, there's a million ways to get involved. Nursery, kids ministry, ushers and greeters are needed. There's so many ways to serve the kingdom. Sometimes just a smile would help someone out. Amen? Guys, if we're going to be the church, let's be the church. Let's love God. Amen? And let's love others. Love our neighbors as ourselves. It's time to stop thinking about ourselves. And we think about others first. That's what Jesus did. He met the needs of other people. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you will fulfill the law of God. Amen. Let's meet the needs of others inside our circles and outside. Don't just focus on our cliques, on our groups. Maybe, just maybe, someone right outside your circle needs a hug, needs a phone call. Gosh, even an email might work. I don't know. Remember, the people you're sitting next to, you see them on Sunday morning lifting their hands, but you have no clue. I have no clue what people go through every day. A loss of a loved one a bad health diagnosis, a child, an adult child who has walked away from the Lord. Maybe you're dealing with past hurts and traumas, church hurts. Maybe you have more practical needs like financial or, or anything like that. You know, let's be the church, you guys. Amen? Jesus was the ultimate uh, display of love by having compassion on others. Let's not forget that our God, God is love. Amen. Therefore, our character should align with his, and we should reach out and love others. Amen. That's all I have. God bless you.